0: of the leap institute so what do we do now heather
1: same thing we've always done delaney keep fighting for an equitable world
0: this time in a podcast
1: welcome to the listen learn love podcast where comfortable friends chat about uncomfortable topics let's do it so delaney yes heather did you miss me
0: can i tell you something honestly
1: yes tell me honestly
0: I always miss you, but just now, when, so we always know when we're going to get together to record because you're in in your house. I'm in my house. We're not together. Right. And we log on. Normally we chit chat for a little bit and tell each other how our day is going before recording. And you were like, okay, are you ready? And I was like, I think she's mad at me. (laughs) She doesn't want to talk to me. Like you don't. You don't care. You just, you're just using me for my podcast voice.
1: <laughs> not at all. Can I admit something? Yes. I am cranky right now.
0: <gasps> you know what? Can I also admit something? I yes. love you when you're cranky. Because when you're cranky, you always warn me. You're like, I'm cranky. But like, <laughs> you're actually not cranky. You're passionate. Or you're tired. So are you feeling passionate or tired or both?
1: I'm feeling passionate. But the, what I'm feeling passionate about, listen, you just said something that's really important to me. You just said that you love love me and or or something to that variation. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today, Delaney.
0: You want to talk about how much I love you? I'm down for that. Yes, that's exactly so. it. Would you like me to put together (laughs) some graphs and some (laughs) statistics? It's big. I love you big, Heather. This big. So how hard is it to love me? Is it hard? No, not at all. I don't think it's hard. You hesitated. You
1: hesitated. I (laughs) heard it. Can I tell
0: you why? Can I tell you why? (laughs) Why? I'm going to tell you why, but I'm going to need anybody who's listening to this podcast to close yours. This is not for you. Okay. This is just for me and Heather because last time we recorded I admitted that I was sitting on a pile of laundry (laughs) and the reason I hesitated is because I was sitting on shoes and it was hurting my bum and I had to move a shoe out from under my bum (laughs) because I'm sitting on a pillow but I guess the pillow was on top of a shoe and it was lumpy and so I didn't hesitate because of the question. I hesitated because I was teeter-tottering were, on a shoe.
1: Because <laughs> you were adjusting. I get it. I was,
0: I was adjusting. I forgive you baby. then. I
1: forgive you. I forgive you.
0: <laughs> Nobody heard that. My closet is clean. Okay? Clean, people. Clean. I'm so um, proud of you. So this
1: is the reason why I asked this question.
0: Yes. No, you are not hard to love. In fact, I feel like you are are so easy to love because you're so passionate about things. You're very honest about things, but you're also accepting and loving. So if people think you're hard to love, I'm going to go ahead and say that they're probably the problem.
1: Well, thank you, Delaney. And so that brings me to what I am cranky about and why I'm so passionate right now at this moment is because I, over the last few days, you know, that I always keep up on what's going on in the world as far as, you know, equity and things are concerned. And I just have seen such a pattern of misogynoir, which, you know, is the term that was created to describe this 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 anti Bla- this hatred for Black women. So it's misogyny, but it's misogyny that's particularly directed at Black women. And I just, there's so many examples of it right now that I, it it's almost feels disheartening. It's like, why do we keep having to go through this, uh, especially when Black women consistently lead the way in terms of fashion in terms of trends we are the most educated group statistically Um, when people actually follow us and listen to our voice our communities improve substantially and yet We still have to do all of this while facing so many barriers. So I'm going to give you this example, um, Shakari Richardson. I know that, yes, she smoked marijuana, but let's look at some of the circumstances here. You have a young woman, 21 years old. People were dogging her out, talking about her so badly for her hair, her nails, the way that she um celebrated her victory. You know, it, you, she just is arrogant and she's this and she's that. But if you're the best in the world, why wouldn't you be a little arrogant? Why wouldn't you be a little cocky? And then the other circumstance, she was in a state where marijuana is legalized. That's number one. But then number two, she found out from a complete stranger that her biological mother had passed away. She was raised by her grandmother because I I believe that the stories that her biological mother had um, issues with addiction. Okay, And so she's at a press conference and a reporter tells her her mother has died. And and so instead of but instead of people being concerned about her mental health, et cetera, et cetera. Now they're piling on on top of all of the negative things they said about her because. Of her, you know, nails and her hair color choice, and just all of these different things. But then, it, it we continue to pile on. We could just go through the Olympics alone. We have people that have been disqualified for competition because their body produces too much of certain um, elements, you know, of, of certain hormones. We have the you know, you know how because you've seen me do my hair, you've seen me, you know, f- fuss over it and fret over it, et cetera. Um, black hair doesn't respond well to chlorine. And so there's these special um, swim caps that have been inv- uh, invented that protect our hair from chlorine. And now the Olympics have banned the use of this one. So all of these swim caps that are allowed, except the one that actually does protect black hair. And so we just got, and it's really, really frustrating. Because so here's I- the, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going go ahead. No, I'm so cranky. i so cranky. You can finish. Well, the other one that kind of sent me over the edge is a few of them. Um, the Nicole Hannah Jones story. Yes. With UNC. You know, I am so happy that she's going to Howard because of the fact that at this point, I really feel like we need to go where we are celebrated and not where we're tolerated. And so if you notice, I am very careful about where I go and who I hang out with when I go. You know that because. Half the time it's you. (laughs) Half the time it's you that I'm hanging out with, but I'm very careful because I don't want to go places where I'm just simply tolerated because you can feel the difference and you can feel the people watching you and judging you and, and being dismissive towards you and all of these things. And then this is the final story that really sent me over the edge. I was reading yesterday about this incident at ESPN. There is a black reporter named um, Maria Taylor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Maria Taylor has been really coming up, but that's because she can do like commentary and um, you know, the sideline interviews, etc. from for so many sports. She's knowledgeable about a lot of different sports. Right. And, as a result, she's been coming up, people like her, her presentation, people, you know, etc. Well, there was a white woman who is the host. Um, let me find her name. Nichols.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Nicole, but it's Rachel Nichols.
1: Rachel Nichols. Yes. And so she is sitting and accidentally records a conversation in which she says, I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football, she covers basketball if you talking about ESPN need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy long time record on diversity, which by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like go for it, just find it somewhere else. You are not going to find it for me or take my thing away. And that is, bothered me. And the reason why is because of the fact that I get tired of black excellence, having that asterisk next to it, right? That, Oh, um, you're here because of affirmative action. No, I'm here because I'm excellent. Okay. And I'm, I'm continuing to excel and to propel myself forward because I'm very, very good at what I do. But yet, you know, when you, when when African-Americans start and black people start moving up in the world, there's always these doubt. And then the other thing is that I bet you that up until that day, Rachel Nichols considered herself a, a an ally. She was like, I, I am in support. She probably has Black Lives Matter sign in her yard. And yet when it came time for her to actually have to step back and be a real ally, she said, Oh, but, but no, not without, if I've got to lose something, I don't want to do that. See the, the sacrifices need to be made by other people. Those are the types, those are the types of allies. That's the reason why the word ally has started to become hollow because in the end, you've got these people who, That, yes, they're willing to get out there and to march and to do everything except make some type of personal sacrifices. Right. So, hey, yes, I believe Black Lives Matter and I have a sign in my yard, but I don't actually want low cost housing in my neighborhood because it'll bring down my property value. Mm. That means... That you want other people to make the sacrifice for you. You know, I'll support you in the ways that are convenient for me. In the ways that don't cost me. And so that's the way that I just feel. There's this whole thread of massage and right now in the news that it's just, it becomes disheartening. And then you get to the point where you're just like, why is it so hard to love us? You know what I'm saying? Am I, am I off? Am I?
0: No, you're not at all. And I'm thinking about something we've talked about before that you've said where you feel like the finish line keeps moving. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, as I'm hearing you say all this, this is what this feels, feels like, you know, I was so upset the last summer Olympics when Simone Biles came out and just Blew everyone's mind with the Simone Biles. This, the amazing gymnastics that this human was able to, like a human, a human was able to throw their body around like that and not die, right? Like it was amazing, right? What were people talking about? Her hair. Are you kidding me, right?
1: And now they're sitting back talking about, and I even forgot about that because now. They're basically telling her, hey, listen, you're too good. So there's some things that you can't do. They moved the finish line. They moved the finish line. They're penalizing her for excellence. Yeah, you're right. They moved the finish line. If if the whole point is supposed to be competition in order, you know, and, and the best competition, why aren't you letting her be her best? I'm sorry that the other that other people can't do this, but that's not fair to say well you know what you're too good and so we're going to we're, we're going to basically put some type of of shackle or impediment to your talent so that other people have a chance well who are the other people and why aren't they that good right why aren't they that good why haven't they worked as hard as she has?
0: And I'm tired of this whole idea of, oh, but you're representing the United States. Are you kidding? We sent somebody to the Olympics representing the United States who, like, held up a gas station after winning a bunch of gold medals. That ship has sailed. Come on. You hear I, me? We, we should that, not that, be worried about fingernails and colored hair.
1: I that mean, it reminds me, the young lady on. that, that um oh, what's her name? Barry, I think is, I know is her last name, but... She was told because she made it very clear. I'm not, I don't, I'm not participating in the national anthem. She has her reasons. It's protest, And it just makes me angry. It's like, okay, when African-Americans find us a, a silent protest, that makes you mad. You say not that way. When we get into the streets, that makes people mad. Not that way. That's not how you ask for it. When things start to actually, you know, blow up, and frustration erupts in the form of violence or, or looting or whatever. No, not that way either. And I just wish people would admit that there's not any way that's going to be acceptable for for you. And in the end, you, there's there's just you don't actually like. I, I know one of the the. Things that I used to hear all the time is I wish that America loved black people as much as they love black culture. You know, right now there are black creators, the black TikTok creators are all on strike. Because what was happening to them is that you were having other creators, white creators, steal their content and then get bigger and more popular with the content they stole from black creators without even giving the black creators credit. And so there's just this whole thing of, yeah, we want the things that black people contribute to the culture. We just don't want black people actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you ever get a
1: chance to watch high on the hog?
0: I did not. You're going to get so mad at me.
1: I am not because we have both been so busy and just wrapped up in everything. But if you do get a chance, please, please, please watch it. It was so touching, enlightening, infuriating, um, it inspiring. There's so many words and some of those words end up being contrast of, of one another. What made it even better is it was all through food, It was through food, but then I thought about when we, after we watched it, so we have Black people that have contributed all of this to our food and what we eat on a daily basis, and yet, who are our most popular chefs?
0: Right. I don't know that I can name a famous Black chef.
1: I, the Neelys. But I'm going to be honest,
0: I didn't like them.
1: They nobody, ended up divorced, but their Nobody food...
0: heard you. It's okay. okay. Nobody heard that.
1: Their, their food was gross. I don't even know how they came to be, like, the most popular. To, so, like, have cookbooks that people actually follow. I just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, everyone's choice.
0: But you're right. There has been such exclusion through so many different systems and so many different parts of life that um, it's the, the reckoning time is here. We we have to talk about this. We have to be willing to have discussions about what is, what is so scary about black
1: hair? (laughs) What, what is so scary about black hair? So that's another thing. I was on a panel um, like, three weeks ago, I think, and and the panel was all about, it's this group, um, and here in St. Louis, CARE, they are really um, leading the way in getting the Crown Act passed. Do you know what the Crown Act is?
0: I do, yes.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to pretend like you don't, so that we can explain it for the audience. Heather, okay. No,
0: can you please tell me what the crown act is?
1: I certainly will Delaney. Thank you. Um, so the crown act is basically, it, it's a, um, a law that they've attempted to put in place that says, Hey, you cannot discriminate against African-Americans because of certain hairstyles, the texture of their hair, Etc. And, and if you think back to some of the things that we've seen in the news, we we had that young man that was the wrestler, remember? And the, the judge made him he was he was getting ready to win. He was very highly ranked and the referee made him cut his locks. Right. Because he said they weren't regulation in some way, shape or form. Right there on the sidelines of the of the wrestling um tournament you have so many stories of of black girls that have been suspended from school because they had braids or because they had an afro um this is some of this is number one was called protective styles we we just talked about how black hair doesn't respond well to chlorine, it doesn't respond well to any chemical processes. It, it At times, especially like in the winter, heat, um, the dry heat from our, our heating and cooling systems can dry the hair out. And so we have to have these protective styles. And a lot of those styles have been deemed unprofessional to the point that Black people are being penalized for the way that the Their hair grows from their heads. So locks, people that don't see locks as um, professional. Um, And what ends up happening is that we've come up with this beauty standard and the beauty standard is based in whiteness. And unfortunately, we've tried to our society has tried to force black women to meet this beauty standard. And so that's the reason why there have been weaves, there have been all these, different, you know, um, crochet styles, all these different ways that we have styled our hair, et cetera, in order to fit in with some of these beauty standards. Well, in the last few years, there's been a real push towards going with what's called our natural hair. So our natural curls and curl pattern and bringing that out. And unfortunately, there've been people that began to be penalized at work, at school, etc., because of it. And so you have the Crown Act, which is it, it has been implemented and passed in Kansas City. Thank goodness. Um, Mayor Quentin Lucas actually signed it into law there. There are a few other places in America, mostly cities where they have it. But now they're trying to. Um, see how we can make this a law here in the state of Missouri. And it just is amazing to me that there's so much massage that is that it's even against how our hair grows from our head.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to just ask you that as a black woman and the mother of a black daughter, two black sons, mm-hmm. can you even put into words what it is like to know that there has to be a law passed in order for people in power so meaning you know management owners of businesses to not use your hair your family's hair against you or as a reason to not give you a job or not retain your job
1: there is this quote that I just love. I've, I've always loved. The first time I heard it, I was like, wow, is, that's the truth. So James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. James Baldwin says to be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. Wow. And wow. that's the thing. <laughs> so on the days when I say I'm cranky, I'm cranky. Um, it's because that rage has gotten the best of me that day. And so right now, yeah, you already know, I am a fierce mama bear.
0: As you should be. Fierce.
1: My daughter, I think sometimes is like, oh my gosh, mom, wait, no. <laughs> wait, no, mom. Because, but here's the thing about it is that I've had to learn how to operate within their system using their lingo, etc., in order to make my point and protect my children. But yes, it's infuriating. And anybody that doesn't understand black anger is not really dedicated to, to, um, you know, this equity journey. You know, if 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 your work depends on whether or not somebody likes you like I, I, you know, I went through this whole period where it was like starting to grate me that people were fighting so desperately for me to like them. I don't have to like you for you to do the job. It was particularly in a group that we were in together. I I shouldn't have to like you in order for you to do the work that you need to do. And And so that's the other part. There's so much that we need to talk about. It's like now there's there's things that um, people expect of me to give that it's like it's not fair that you expect that because you should be doing it anyway. You know? That's what you should be doing anyway, right. And it shouldn't depend on if I like you. It shouldn't depend on if you like me. It shouldn't depend on any of that. We can totally despise one another, and you should still be doing the work of dismantling systemic racism. You should still be doing that work. Period. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in a rage. There's always a been seething rage.
0: Seething rage sounds fair, given all of this. Some of what we've been talking about reminds me of when my own kiddos were in elementary school. And mm-hmm. you know that I live in a very white area. And mm-hmm. my kids went to a very affluent elementary school. And I just remember a lot of the very protective mama bears that I've experienced throughout the years. And rightly so. I mean, everybody's... Sh- I-, I think every mom should be able to feel safe sending their child to school. So if you have a child that has a deadly allergy, you don't, it's it's not that you don't care if somebody else's child's favorite food is peanut butter sandwiches. It's that your child could die if they eat peanut butter sandwiches in the same classroom. If your child has a learning disability, um, I'm, I'm just, the long list of things that I've known people that have had to fight for to make sure that their child's needs are taken in school. And that, you know what? I supported these moms. I supported everyone. But then I feel like these same moms should be out there on the line fighting so that your child can't have the hair that just naturally goes from their head be used against them. In school, in, on sports teams, in jobs, um, to take it one step further, the mom of the child who is transgender or non-binary, you should be willing for you and your child to use the correct names and pronouns so that that mom can also feel safe that their child's needs are being met at school it's like we've there's this picking and choosing of whose needs people should bend over backwards for to make sure that those needs are met and those children are safe and i if if every single day i faced a society that didn't want to put my children's safety on the front of their minds, I, I would be violently angry
1: all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, oh, that has also been an ongoing theme. If you um, know, remember I posted on my page, it was this whole um, thread about how black people have a difficult time trusting white people. Um, it was a hard one to read for for some people, but the reality is is that too many times when it came time for you to return the favor, for you to be the one that stood up for me, it's too many times that I've I've been shown that you won't. You know these not you in particular, but that some of these people won't. And so that was what, because remember, I used to be on the Women's March planning committee. And that was one of the biggest things that we talked about, about how white, honestly, white women want unity until it's time for them to turn around and be unified for us and for our causes and for the things that just impact us personally. So it's easy for them. And and we have a long history of that. The women's suffrage movement, people paint it so rosy, but the reality is some of those women that were asking for African-American women's support of this turned around and turned against them. One lady helped to, to organize like a, a women's section of the KKK. There's, So there's this ongoing thread that used to make black women suffragists walk at the back of the line. That's the reason why when we came in, we came in on the second women's march, we placed the women of color at the front because there's been too many marches where the black women were expected to go second. And so what ended up happening is that we said, hey. Now it's your turn to support us as we try to get our right to vote and our right to be seen as full citizens in America. And those people that had depended on us for support for women's suffrage turned around and said no, and did not support black suffrage. And so it's, you know, it took another 40 years. It took us going through over 4,000 lynchings, lynchings, It took, you know, the red summer of 1919, it took so much for us to gain the rights. But basically, we see that this is a continuous pattern. Hey, support our, you know, um, women's reproductive rights. But then when I come back and I say, well, listen, you know, black women are dying at a proportion of three to five times as often uh, you know, maternal um, death rate is three times higher for black women than for white women. Can we get your support in trying to change that? Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've got a Black Lives Matter sign up and I I donated to End Purpose. I don't know what else I could do. Well, you can go into the, to, into your doctor's office and ask them the right questions. You can go and hold a black mother's hand as they're giving birth and be that woman's advocate. You could, there's so much that people could do. You could support JAMA Birth Village.
0: Support people who will be in positions of power in St. Louis, support St. Louis County, people who will keep the medical and food available in all areas so that we don't have medical and food deserts support Erica Williams
1: at a red circle. You know, I could like go down a whole list. Here's all of these people that they're doing the work support them. But you know what? Now that I think about it here in St. Louis, you know, I'm, I've been talking about national headlines, but here in St. Louis, we have an excellent example of massage noir. OK, we black people have been told, well, wait a minute, you can go use your vote, go vote for people that that represent your interests. Go vote for people that want to make the changes that you that align with the changes you want to see. And that's what we did. In St. Louis City, we elected Kim Gardner. And then we've recently elected Cory Bush and and Tashara Jones. What happened to Kim Gardner? Kim Gardner. They actually tried to present a law to limit her power so much that she couldn't effectuate the changes. And it wasn't the people in the city of St. Louis that were doing it. It was legislators in Missouri and, and, and you know, in Jefferson City, some of whom are like in the, you know, rep- from the rural Um, southern part of the state. And they were sitting back and saying, hey, we don't like that. Well, guess what? She's not your district attorney. We elected her to be, to represent and to do exactly what she is trying to set out to do. We've elected her twice to do that. And then same thing now. So Shara Jones came in and now they're trying to legislate from from Jefferson City how she can spend her budget. They didn't do that with Vincent Shamal. They didn't do that with any of the other mayors of, of the city of St. Louis. What's the difference now? Oh, the difference is two black women. So, I mean, we have so many examples of this and it just, it gets frustrating. And so today, Delaney, I just wanna say, I'm sorry, I'm cranky.
0: I'm glad you're cranky because I feel like this is the passion that we all need to hear, that everyone needs to hear to make us uncomfortable and push us out of our safe zone so that we can do the work to create bigger safe zones that include everyone. You know, yeah. looking past the tips of our own noses. It's not just this rugged individualism. Is, is It's too much. It's gotten too much. We have to be looking out for each other.
1: Well, here's the other part. is like I, I know the narrative that also is, is always put out is, you know, well, if you want this, you just have to. Well, I did all of those things that you're supposed to just have to do. And I still face systemic racism. So I have two degrees, Uh, you know, I, I am highly educated, you know, like all of these things that they're like, well, if you would just do A, B and C, then you wouldn't have any problems. And yet I still have problems. So it's like, why is that? Well, because there's a systemic issue that needs to be changed and I'm sorry, too many people want to put it on an interpersonal basis. This is not an interpersonal. And that's the reason why, you, you got to look at big picture sometimes. You can go in and you can say anything like, you know, the Rachel Nichols, you know, deserves to move up. That's awesome. You're right. She's very talented as well. She does deserve to move up. That wasn't the problem with her statement. The problem is with her statement is that it was dripping with, number one, white liberalism. Number two, misogynoir. It was dripping with it. So if she wants to compete with Maria, then please, by all means, repeat and, you know, compete with Maria. But don't break it down, break her and and diminish her accomplishments by basically saying, oh, it's because ESPN needs more diversity hires. That's not why. That's not why at all.
0: That just delegitimizes everything that she's worked for and accomplished in life. You know? And and I know that low hanging fruit. It's a low hanging fruit. It's just that is
1: it's unacceptable. Yeah, it's not. I know that. And here's the thing, is that there's so many black women that felt that. That felt that for Maria Taylor. Because guess what? We've we've been in it ourselves. I'll never forget after I got my master's degree, degree being told by someone that it should be easy for me to become an administrator because they need black people.
0: No, it should be easy because you are completely beep, 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 amazing. Beep, 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 and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, so I don't actually know how to edit these well enough to beep out curse words. So I'm just kind of doing it all at once, but, <laughs> but right. Like, no, Heather is be amazing, right? Like there, it's not because it's because you worked really, really hard. It's because you're so intelligent. It's because you're passionate. It's because you care. If you're gonna do something, you're gonna do it right.
1: Well, guess what? She was wrong. I, it was very hard for me to get a position, and actually, that's the reason why I am now doing what I'm doing. And so, you know, the bigger plan worked out even better for me. Because I love the work that I do, even when I get frustrated, even when I get cranky like I am today. I love the work that I do. And that's the reason why. Here's another thing. And I'm going to put a shameless plug in. We have an equity fair coming up that in purpose is sponsoring. And then we have a group that we started called the Missouri Equity Education Support Group. And so this is a grassroots effort to say, wait a minute, some of these narratives you all are are trying to put out about what equity education is are just false. And so we want to be able to counter that. So we're having this awesome fair, but that's the reason why because in the end, I love this work. And the biggest thing that I love about this work is how many amazing people it has brought into my life you know what i'm saying and and the people of all races of all religions of all sexual orientations and and they all continue to teach me things i continue to learn from them even in the process of of teaching myself and so i love this work i, I love i love what i do even when it gets really really frustrating and um you know i just you try to if you can just change one person at a time so that's what i'm trying to do so i'm glad that you as a as a woman a whitish woman (laughs) confusing beige confusing confusing beige um that you know you start with loving one black woman and then you just keep going from there you know that's what we have to do. We got to We got to practice more loving. Oh, well. So Delaney. Yes, Heather. You want to do this again next week? I really do. Oh, awesome. Well, I'll talk to you. Th- Actually, I'll talk to you like a thousand times before that. <laughs> we will record. Audience and again. I will talk to you then. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Heather.
1: <laughs> Bye, girl. I love you. Bye. You don't love me? Oh my God, I love you. Okay, there we go. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can support us on Patreon by looking for the Listen, Learn, Love podcast or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at InPurposeES, that is I-N-Purpose-E-S. You can also follow us on Twitter at InPurposeEA or visit our website at www.InPurposeEA.com. Heather, this was great. you want to do it again next week? I sure do, Delaney. Awesome. Talk to you then. Bye.